0: Welcome back, Straycast Outdoor Cartoon Television. I'm Pat Renwick. It's time for the Bass Buzz segment of Straycast Outdoor Cartoon Television. Hello? That ringing Hello. that you hear right there is the one and only Gary Klein huh? getting on. Like Gary Klein, welcome to the big show, bud. Hey, well, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. Oh, man, this, this is an honor. This is an honor to have the iconic Gary Klein on Stray Cast Outdoor Cartoon Television. There's, there's our studio audience. They're loving it right now. They're, they're, they're loving it, Gary, man.
1: Dude. Hey, that's awesome, man. You, 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 you're making me feel humbled.
0: Oh, come on now. How's life on the ranch? What are you up to tonight? <laughs>
1: hey, no, everything's good uh, down here in Texas. I actually uh, left my rig parked Gainesville, Florida, and flew home for about 10 days before we fly back to uh, Fish in South Carolina.
0: Going to Carolina next for the Elite Series. Yeah, that's correct,
1: yeah. We have an event out of Georgetown, South Carolina. How you feeling? Are you pumped up about this or what? Yeah, this event here is going to be pretty exciting because there's really not a lot of history. You know, we've never had an event there. Uh, there have been a few in the past, not many, but it's unlimited options on, you know, where you can run, which river system you're going to fish. So uh, it's always fun uh, to go fish something new. You know, it's definitely an adventure.
0: Now, we were just talking about the whole part of the show. You guys just left Palatka, and and the big news is your buddy, Ricky Klun ran away with the thing, and we spent the whole first part of the show basically talking about Rick Klun. I know you guys have been friends for a very long time. What's your feelings on that right there, Gary?
1: Well, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I actually went back to the weigh-in on Sunday just to watch him win. Um, You know, Shaw and I were at his house in Gainesville, and we were watching Bassmaster live, and it looked like Ricky was going to pull it out. So we loaded up in the truck, and uh, I definitely wanted to be back there, you know, backstage, congratulating, and uh, you know, th- that's history. And you know, Rick is one of the reasons why the sport has been elevated to the, you know, to the level that it is. Uh, you know, Rick has been a longtime friend, uh, but Rick was also one of those individuals that gave me the confidence and the desire to basically follow in his footsteps and, you know, leave California and come out and fish, you know, full-time fishing bass So, yeah, it was a pretty awesome event, but yet, let me correct you, Ricky didn't run away with it. Ricky caught a big bag on the third day and actually came from 31st place to uh, take over the lead. So that was pretty special. Uh, You know, Ricky, I knew, was going to change his philosophy a little bit for fishing, Uh, We talked about it during the course, you know, in the off-season. You know, what does it take to change? And that's one of the things about this sport, Pat, is that it's constantly changing. It's evolving. Um, Not only are the fisheries that we fish across the country actually better today than they were 20 years ago. There's more fish. There's better quality fish. But also the competitors that we compete against now or a lot better educated, uh, more fundamentally sound. So uh, you know everything is elevating. Uh, the sport moves at a pretty fast pace, and uh, you know it's just fun to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and you said it right there. It's constantly changing. the The fact that there's so much more technology at the fingertips. Uh, of anglers these days that it, it helps them advance uh, at a much rap, more rapid rate than we used to have you know say w- when when i was a kid or even you were a kid over there in california yeah.
1: coming out of the out well, of the without, gates exactly no without a doubt they have the tools but the one thing that there are no shortcuts is they have to go out and develop their own style, develop confidence in their strengths and weaknesses as an angler, and develop an understanding about the fisheries and about the fish, all that is work that an individual angler has to go out and do on their own because without confidence in their cells and building an understanding about the fish and the environments that fish live in, then all that other information will never help them. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a double-edged sword.
0: And, and what what do you feel about that? I mean, how do, how do you feel? It's how are you changing, Gary? How are you changing as an angler?
1: Well, the way I fish, I'm changing. Uh, you know, the old days are kind of gone. Where and what I mean by that is that early on events, I you know, literally the last day of the event, I still had more water to go fish that I hadn't had a time to go fish. Um, you know, I fished a lot of areas. Uh, many, many days of competition, I'd have an area, you know, the back of a bay or a creek arm completely to myself, never see another boat the entire tournament. But those days are kind of few and far between anymore. Now you have a tremendous amount of pressure in areas, and it does affect the fish. So I, as an, as an angler, am really forcing myself to cover more water develop more than one or two patterns during the course of the day or during the course of the week. But most important is that when I put my boat on the trailer at the end of the day, I have to think about what the next day is going to, you know, what's the next day going to present to me as an angler. And what I do now is I literally fish the moment. I don't save anything. If I'm on a big school of fish, I'm going to catch every one that I can catch. catch them for up. the early years, I would catch, you know, a good limit, and then I would try to save them for the rest of the event. And that just usually backfires on you anymore. <laughs>
0: Somebody else going to scoop them up if you don't, right?
1: Oh, with, with, without a doubt, without <laughs> a doubt. And, you know, several years ago, we had a BASS tournament at Gunnersville. obviously, you know, a great lake. By 11 o'clock on the first morning of the event, I had five that weighed 30 in the live well. Mm. And I literally sat down, quit fishing, ate sandwiches, tied me up some more jigs, pulled <laughs> line. I was doing it at four thirty, and at four twenty, I pulled the trolling motor, came in to weigh in. And when I went back there the second day of the event, I never got a bite. Got pillaged. Mm. They couldn't they couldn't have have laughter, never Scott. got a bite. Then that.
0: That's how it works, man. You know, you, I think that's the philosophy. Get them while you
1: can, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know it is what it is, but you know that's you know I'm not complaining. I think that's one of the things that really uh, continues that deep burning desire that I have uh, as a competitor and my passion for fishing. See, that's what a lot of people don't understand: is that even if I was not a tournament angler, I'm still going fishing somewhere. I mean, that's the way I was raised. You know, I mean, I, I was brought up fishing every day or every other day, and still that's just in my genes. But being I am a competitive angler, I'm really glad to the fact that that the sport that we pursue is forever changing. And that forces you to continue to push yourself, think outside the box, and continue to educate yourself with new techniques, uh, new equipment, better understanding of electronics. Uh, so I enjoy all that.
0: There there it is, Gary Klein. Hey, you know, a lot of people know this about you, but there's just as many people that don't know this about you that uh, you are the co-founder of my favorite and many (laughs) fans out there's favorite tournament event series going on right now. The best spectator sport, for lack of a better term, right now happening is Major League Fishing, man. And thank you so much for for co-creating that.
1: For giving it life, man. I really appreciate that. That that that, that's a very nice uh, compliment. And uh, yeah, it's a project that Boyd Duckett and I uh, actually started, uh, you know, five years ago. And let me just say this: uh, you know, we're headed down the right road, but our vision is much grander than what we have today. So I'm really excited about that. We're working real hard on it. Um, Everything's been very, very positive about it. Uh, I created the format. Uh, that was you the rules. You came up and, with that. Uh, it, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Th-
0: so you, you actually came up with the format of the, of the catch and the instant release. That was you that did that.
1: That is correct. Yeah. I actually, awesome. uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's a project we've been working on for quite some time and, uh, you know, we got to the point, uh, with our business plan that we actually had to create the format. So I actually, uh, sat down with a notepad on my boat out in the shop and I wrote it in 30 minutes. <laughs> wow.
0: wow. That's like the Rolling Stones in satisfaction. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It, it was a
1: masterpiece right then. You, you nailed well, it right there. I, I hope we get it to that point. But, uh, not that our, our vision is this it's pretty simple. Is that we want to create a sport. I want bass fishing to be recognized as a sport. It's just like in football. I mean, you play football on a 100 yard field, whether you're high school or college or NFL same thing with professional angling is that i want to create the venue create the format that actually takes bass fishing to the next level and makes it you know a recognized sport across this country and you know that that's our grand vision
0: and and you're getting there i mean you're on cbs i think this saturday right this saturday uh, mlf airs on, on cbs
1: That is correct, yes, and, uh, you know, we're headed to all network television. That's, you know, one of the goals. Um, You know, you've already seen us increase our programming to two hours on the Outdoor Channel, and the thing about it is that all of the response is positive. I have ladies come up to me that are non-anglers. They never watch a fishing show in their life. And they say, Gary, I watch every episode of Major League Fishing. That's every day.
0: Awesome. I caught my girlfriend watching. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Nice. I mean, that's how it should be, you know. So you're so there's fishing groupies. Is that what we're saying or no?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, what we're doing is we're reaching out to um, (laughs) viewers that were not necessarily watch a fishing show, and they kind of get captivated by the format. Uh, They develop an interest in the anglers that are competing. And um, then they stay tuned and they watch, uh, you know, all of our rounds. So that's that's pretty exciting.
0: Now, would you say that the, that the professionals that compete in Major League Fishing, are they, for lack of a better term, just as wound up when they're coming out to compete in these events? Or is it a little more relaxed
1: environment, Gary? No, it's just the opposite. Uh, these guys... At the end of every round, I get all their comments, and it's usually uh, quotes like, wow, that was the most intense competition I've ever competed in in my entire career. And these are anglers that have won the Bassmasters Classic. They've won AOI titles and FLW championships. And uh, because you have the real-time leaderboard and you're fishing against the clock plus the competition, but to amp it up, you know how you stand every minute, every fish that's counted and recorded, you know about. So it really gives you the option of an angler to make adjustments in your fishing.
0: Yeah, and and we talked about this with with Brandon Palinick who loves the major league fishing. He loves being a competitor in major league fishing, by the way. But we, say, you know, we made the analogy. It's just like as Rick Klun used to state, "This is fishing in its purest form in this format, isn't it, Gary?"
1: Oh, without a doubt, I have gone through. Uh, let me just say this simple I do not know how to make it any purer, one-on-one heads-up competition than the way I have it now there's no information the anglers have no idea where they're gonna fish they have no idea who they're gonna compete against they have a boat official in the boat but leading up to the venue everybody's notified two days in advance to where they have to go and check in but from the time you receive that information it is against major league fishing rules to do any research you can't get on an ipad you can't look at a road map you can't study the lakes that are in the area uh, you can't pick up a phone and call anybody and uh, we hold all the anglers accountable uh so like i said it, it's it's we, we're, we're, i have a lockdown as tight as i can get it it's the purest one-on-one, you know, the angler against the fish, uh, that I can make it. So you're like the warden
0: of Major League Fishing, too, aren't you?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I'm one of the, uh, you know, I'm one of the competitors. So I get to live it just like everybody else does. And, you know, when we see an issue, if we see something that we can do to make it better, that's one of the great things about uh, having ownership is I can change it overnight. Have you and, ever... you know, correct it, correct it for the right reasons.
0: Have you ever thought of about implementing any additional penalties that, that one that don't exist right now? Like just throwing a curveball, you know, something something off the wall.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, I have a a planning meeting coming up. Uh, you know, we have an annual planning meeting. We you know, we take notes on everything. Plus, we review all of the footage. And the whole key with the format and with the no information and you know true heads up competition is what we want to do is create a venue where the TV viewer could actually feel like he was sitting in Kevin Van Dam's boat and watch him go through his way of breaking down a lake, you know, breaking down a pattern, trying to establish something you know so that he can advance on because in major league fishing if you don't make the cut on that day you go home you're you done we're done uh, hey gary we got to
0: go to a break right now but first of all thank you again another part of major league fishing thank you for shelly sanders by the way too
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: she put the eye in mlf i'm not going to kid you that's hey but hey you want to stick around we're going to go to one more segment here gary and when we come back let's talk flipping okay
1: Hey, I love you. Thank you very much. All right,
0: hold on. We'll be right back. Keep it locked, all you out there. StrayCast Outdoor Cartoon Television. We'll be right back. Welcome
1: back. Straycast.
0: StrayCast. Outdoor, Outdoor Cartoon, cartoon Television. television. I'm, liking I'm liking the echo. It's getting crazy, it's there. crazy there. It's echo, it's echo, echo, it's echo, echo, echo. Hey, this is the Bass Buzz segment of Straycast Outdoor Cartoon Television. I am Pat Renwick, and on the phone right now, we have live Gary Klein. You still there, Gary? Yes, I am. Wow, this worked good this time. We're starting to figure this video thing out, Gary. You know, we... <laughs> we yeah. We, we did radio for years, you know, and now we're into this whole new era. We're evolving just as an angler evolves into the new progression of technology called this video podcast thing, Gary, and we're starting to figure it out. We're, all, you know, we're getting there, dude. We're getting there. It's called a webcast. Uh, and oh, it's never
1: yeah. too.
0: Yeah, you know, webcast. Never Thank Indian. you. Bobby Bergren just corrected me. It's a webcast. It's a webcast. <laughs> yes. Hey, there's our studio audience, too, and they love Gary Klein. <laughs> Gary, you by trade. <laughs> are a flipper. You have flipped forever. In fact, you you know you you were taught by some of the best flippers in the business. And you know, let, let's give a little history of flipping right now. I mean, we start, you know, we stocked it we, we went way back. You know, there was doodle socking and jigger polling way back in the day and mm-hmm. it kind of evolved into 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 what it is, what it was then and what it is now. Why don't you talk to us about your introduction? To the art of flipping
1: well really it, it, it's because of that one technique and the individual that's the father of flipping that I am sitting here tonight you know having this conversation uh, D Thomas uh, in California I met D Thomas when I was 15 years old I was working at a, a marina on Lake Orville Northern California which is you know my summer job making a dollar sixty-five an hour Uh, you know, pumping gas at the marina. I observed my very first bass fishing tournament. I believe it was in 1972. And I knew then that this is what this 15-year-old kid wanted to do, was be a competitive angler. Had no idea how I was going to ever accomplish it, but I had a desire. I met Dee Thomas, who actually was the winner of that event. And I almost became like Dee's son. In fact, I talked to Dee Thomas last week on the phone. Uh, you know, we usually have weekly conversations or every other week. He still lives on the California Delta, uh, you know, fishes three or four days a week. Uh, very, very engaged. Awesome. But what he did is he developed a technique that allows an angler to present an artificial lure to bass in cover very efficiently. And, of course, the flipping has evolved. Um, you know, the original... Flipping rod that I first started with when I started fishing with D. Thomas was a twelve foot saltwater blank with no reel on Jeez. it. In fact, D would sit on the bow of his aluminum boat with a paddle. We never used a trolling motor, and that's how we used. That's how I started fishing the California Delta. But because of um, competitive angling, uh, D was soon outlawed. Uh, his twelve foot rod was so D actually took a hacksaw and cut his rod from twelve to eight. <laughs> That's ingenuity. Still That's won. one way to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, what happened is that D was talked into fishing tournaments. Uh, D won the first three tournaments that he entered, and you know, at the fourth event, you know, the night before the competition, he got a knock on his hotel door, and there was a newly formed tournament committee, and they told D Thomas that. You'd love to have you in the tournament, but you can't use that 12-foot rod. They sent the posse you know, after him, Gary. They yeah, sent the posse. Saying, yeah, seriously. So D just said, hey, how long can it be? They said, we don't care, just as long as it's not 12. D said, how about eight? <laughs> and that was just a number that he pulled out of the air. And even today in BASS, it's an eight-foot maximum rod restriction. And that's how that all came about. But anyhow, D Palmas taught me the importance of flipping. And I knew that I could flip better than any other person because nobody knew the flipping technique. That's what gave me the confidence when I was 20 years old to leave Northern California and come out on the BASS circuit is I knew that if I could find fish, shallow water fish, that I could catch with a flipping stick, then I could be competitive against Rick Clun, Rolla Martin, Jimmy Houston, Bill Dance. And that's what I did. My first event was on the St. John's River. Every fish I caught, I flipped. I weighed uh, enough fish to finish 10th place. The second BASS tournament was back out on Lake Powell out of Page, Arizona, and I won that event flipping. And I actually led angler of the year all year long, and and, uh, uh, Roland Martin beat me on the final day. But but enough about me. The (laughs) uh, The technique today is just e- as effective as it was, you know, when I first started fishing back in the 70s. In fact, now, I don't think there's too many bass boats across this country in either club competition or regional competition or national events that don't have one, two, or three flip sticks in the rod locker. All the time. It's just like a, yeah, it's a staple. I mean, every, everybody's got to have the long rod and and Gary break
0: down the your 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 flipping philosophy. I mean when you go out there say you're on a flip bite, okay? How many flip mm-hmm. sticks do you have on the deck and and talk to us about the the baits rigged up on these and also uh throw in a little fluoro versus braid commentary, would you?
1: Well, well yeah, let me just say this because all all pieces of equipment are important. If you have that understanding, develop an understanding like I said, Earlier, once an angler starts developing an understanding, and all of a sudden he can take these techniques and change the technique to his way of fishing. And what I simply mean by this flipping is an underhand presentation of an artificial bait to shallow water cover, whether it's rocks, docks, tulees, you know, lay down trees, uh, yada, yada, yada. All and what it does is it gives an angler to uh, actually a precision presentation. I mean, when I'm flipping, uh, your accuracy is almost hundred percent. You can put the bait anywhere it needs to be. But the other thing too, is that when I first start fishing at the beginning of the week or at the beginning of the day, I'm the type of angler that I don't want to look at everything. I want to see the thing. In other words, when I first start fishing that morning, I kind of feel like I'm a generalist. I'm good at doing an awful lot of things. But hour by hour, as I fish during the day, or especially if I'm practicing for a week, I want to become more of a specialist. And the flipping technique helps me develop what I call patterns within patterns. So I just don't look at the fall down tree, or I just don't see the stand up bush. I just don't look at the whole boat dock. I'm looking at where the fish are positioned. And the only way you can determine that is by getting some bites. Listen to the fish. In other words, if I have a bush, I'm on a man-made reservoir, and the water's creeping up, and it's pre-spawn, and the water's coming up, you know, 8, 10 inches a day, in my mind, I will find those fish more related to the backside of the cover facing the bank. Not necessarily in the cover. They'll be on the backside facing the bank because they're up warming their eggs. Uh, they're up in that rear shallow water vice versa you know if it's after the spawn and the water's fallen then the fish are probably not going to be on the back side they'll be on the front side or on the deep side this is what i simply mean by developing a pattern within a pattern now as far as the lures that we flip everybody knows what a leadhead jig is everybody knows what a texas rig plastic worm is or what a creature bait is you know more of your Uh, you know, your big Berkeley bugs and stuff that are creature-based. They have a lot of wiggies on them. But some of the other tools that are really good for flipping, again, it's like I said earlier, all flipping is is a technique that gives an angler the ability to present a lure with 100% accuracy. But having said that, one of my favorite lures to flip is a spinnerbait. Wow. Uh, Mm. another, Another lure I like to flip is a square-bill crankbait. Um, I'm very efficient with them. I can cover the water at a relatively quick speed, um, and I'm not wasting any cast. So basically what I'm doing is I'm taking my lure presentations. Uh, if I look at it in a minute cycle, I may take my lure presentation up to like five or six lure presentations in a minute. Whereas if I was offshore casting, I may be down to two or three. All I'm trying to do is maximize my efficiency when I'm on the water. And that technique is one of the ways to do it. Now, with the traditional flipping technique, where you hold, I'm right-handed, so I hold the rod in my right hand, take some line off the reel with my left hand, and let it slide freely, because your left hand on the line is the control, your entry control, but the other off of the flipping technique is what you see so many great anglers do, like a Tommy Biffle, a Denny Brower, more of a pitching. And pitching is the same underhand presentation. You just don't hold the line in your left hand. And the pitching technique versus the flipping technique just gives the angler more distance. In other words, my standard flipping distance is 18 to 22 feet. But if I back off and pitch, you know, I'm more at the 30, 35, 40-foot range. And I do them both when I'm going down the bank. Instead of moving my boat in between two bushes to flip the log on the backside, then I make a long pitch because I'm just as efficient at pitching. But the key to the technique is the fact that you're using a rod with some length, normally seven, seven sixes, seven nines, eight-foot rods, and heavier lines. I flip a lot of uh, braid fluorocarbon. I still flip uh, uh, monofilament. But, again, it's that understanding. Monofilament is just a line that's usually larger in diameter, and it has a stretch factor of, let's say, 15 to 18%, and it floats. The line floats. Fluorocarbon line is a little bit smaller in diameter. It still has about a 6 to 7%, 8% stretch factor, but fluorocarbon line sinks where your smallest diameter of all your lines are braid. And they say they have zero stretch, but they still have about 1% to 3% stretch, and the braid floats. And just my experience is when I'm fishing around aquatic vegetation, I love to flip with a braid line because on the hook set, that braid is so small in diameter, it usually clears or cuts um you know, the vegetation so you, you it your fish doesn't get all balled up in the vegetation. Usually it clears. But if I'm fishing in real heavy trees and real thick timber, uh catching a lot of big fish like down on Falcon that we have here in South Texas, I like to use lines that have larger diameters. I flip a lot of fluorocarbon, that's 30, 40, and 50-pound test fluorocarbon. And everybody says, wow, where do you get that? Well, Berkeley makes a product called Prospect, which is actually nothing more than saltwater fluorocarbon leader material. And they make it all the way up to 200-pound test. But because I'm using a larger diameter, it doesn't cut into the bark of the timber, which Brave does, and you lose a lot of fish. So anyhow, it's just uh, it's really an awesome technique. Uh, I have so much fun fishing like that. You're up close, you're personal. It's kind of like bow hunting for deer. Uh, you know, you're right there uh, amongst everything that's taking place. And if you're very observant as an angler, uh, this technique will definitely become one of your uh, favorite ways of catching fish.
0: And it's a big fish technique. There's no, there's no
1: doubt about it. Now now, Gary, you yeah, know, re- go ahead. It really is. It, no, you're dead on. It is a big fish technique, and one of the reasons why it is so good with big fish is because big fish didn't get big by running around. With the flipping technique, you know, big fish is a hunter. He's a predator, and they love to get in the cover where it's dark and look out into the light. That's, you know, you know I tell everybody this all the time. If you're in your home at night and it's dark outside and you have your lights turned on, you can't look outside. But if you reverse that, you're out in the dark looking in. You can see everything, and that's the same thing as a bass. That's like so you, we, Gary. What?
0: You're a predator too. You're like a panther. You're like a stealth panther on the deck of that boat. You when you're everything. flipping, you're, well, you're, that's it's right. illegal in seven I'm countries. Definitely, I'm definitely hunting. <laughs> you're you're all, you're all over it. Hey, now you know people. People think and and they know that you are very profound at the flipping technique and very proficient. Um, but also, I mean, you could flat out catch them in many ways. You spend a lot of time in deep water on those deep, clear california lakes and and you you're you're efficient at the drop shot technique and in the small mouth tourneys on the elite series you usually do pretty well too. You usually do pretty oh, exactly. good exactly well
1: i have I have two strengths when it comes to bass fishing. One is I love to fish shallow water targets that I can see with my eyes. And the other is fishing offshore with my electronics. And, yeah, I mean, probably half of the BASS victories that I have accomplished, I've accomplished with a spinning rod and six-pound uh, test line. So, yeah, I love I love to fish light line also.
0: And, and how important are your Lowrance electronics in, in finding fish, not only in deep water, but you use them flipping too, don't you?
1: Well, exactly, and, and that's one thing about electronics. Don't get wrapped up in believing that your electronics are fish finders, okay? Because, yes, they do show fish of all species. But most important is develop an understanding with your electronics. Make sure that they're uh, uh, rigged right. Uh, In other words, a transducer matchup to the unit is most important, where you place it, how you place it. And definitely go through the effort to understand your unit and get it dialed in because your depth finder or your flasher, well, I, I grew up with flashers, uh, but now, you know, like the Lorance Electronics, you know, the HD-12s that I run. I actually got four of them on my boat this year. They are your underwater eyes. And what they do is they teach me as an angler about the environment in which the bass lives. You can see thermal climbs, You can see soft bottom, hard bottom, uh, you know, the trees, the bushes, the rocks, Uh, all the aquatic vegetation. It shows you how the fish are relating to the cover. Uh, So I use my electronics probably more than just a fish finder.
0: You're finding the bass hotels is what you're doing.
1: You're finding finding the condos. Hey, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) There's two things that you have to find to have a concentration of fish. You have to have habitat and food. And everything that I'm talking about, basically most of it takes place below the surface and i you know i don't go around the lake with my head under the water i have to use electronics and Lorance is
0: uh spot on there it is hey gary thank you so much the producer's cueing me it's about time to pull up the trolling motor here but but thank you so <laughs> much for for coming on straight cast on the bass buzz section man it's always a pleasure hey. to have you on and you're a plethora of knowledge dude
1: well, guys, I appreciate it, and uh, anytime, I look forward to being back with me.
0: Yeah, now, if, if everybody wants to find some more out about you, you're, uh, you're Gary Klein, professional angler on Facebook, you're Gary Klein on that Instagram, uh, what's your website, Gary? Uh,
1: Gary Klein, pro angler, uh, you can go to majorleafishing.com and uh, find out just about everything you want to know about me. All
0: right, there it is. Hey, knock him out, look forward to seeing the MLF on Saturday, and also, Best of luck to you on the next stop on the Elite Tour, Gary, and we will talk to you soon.
1: Hey, thank you, guys.
0: Take care.